Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Welcome to week two of our leadership series called Leadership 101. And if you missed last week, I would strongly suggest you go back and listen to the podcast and catch up with us. Not because of anything great about me, but just because some of the things we covered just landed for so many people. And and I've literally this week, I've heard countless stories from people about the impact that just thinking about their seasons and their lives in, in that way has really, really helped them. And so that was really cool, but my prayer today is that you have that same experience, that you walk away challenged and excited about your leadership. Um, but quickly, let's get a little bit of context on leadership, and as we dive into this and see what it looks like to be the most valuable leader on your team. Anybody in the room want to be the most valuable leader on, in your team? No no one? Anyone? A few of you. Yes. Yes. We want to be valuable. Check this out. The huge key for us to understand is that true leadership is based on influence, not position. It's based on influence, not position. We've all had that person in authority that when they walk in the room and they tell everyone what to do, everyone kind of just rolls their eyes at them and just goes, goes and does what they want to do, right? Like we've all seen that leader But what about that leader who, when they walk in the room, maybe they don't have the title, maybe they don't have the position, but they walk into the room and they say, hey, guys, I think we should do this. And everyone goes, yeah, okay, let's do that, right? Why? Because of influence. It's not a position. It's not a title. It's 100% about your influence on people. And as we saw last week, influence always outpaces authority. Our influence on people always outpaces authority. So our responsibility as leaders is to grow in our influence. And the only way to gain influence with people is to do a lot of uh, things that we're going to be talking about today, but just to, to be real and to be authentic and to lead with purpose and lead with a why instead of just a what. And it just challenges us as we move in. So that we, we also saw that in order for us to grow in our leadership, we have to own and recognize what season we are in. And so we talked about some seasons, and super, super quick for you, those four seasons, and maybe you feel like there's more than that, but just a general baseline for us. There's four seasons. There's the foundational season. This is the very beginning. And sometimes it's based, we've been there for a long time, but the trust isn't built there, and so it requires us to have a slow pace and high communication. We talked about this as, as like that time when you're in that dating relationship and you're dating somebody and the first date goes really well and you just like fly through things way too fast and then all of a sudden you're arguing about little things and you're like, what, what happened? We had so much chemistry. It's like because we outpaced the trust level that was there. We didn't know each other well enough before we went way too far. The second season is growing. In that growing season, we have to have high awareness and focused energy. In that growing season, we talked about the the old Greek mythology legend of King Midas who had the ability to touch things and they turned to gold. And he was all pumped about that until he started touching his food and he couldn't eat it because it turned into gold. And you and I, when we're in this growing season, we think we're King Midas and we're the experts on everything in the world. 
Oh, you have a question? I got an answer, boo. I got you. I know exactly what you need to do in this section and this section. And you need to tell them this and you need to do that. And we just go past where we need to because we're not focused on what God has given us responsibility for. Many of you actually were very transparent with me and said you were in this third season, the stagnation season, that season where you feel like, man, there's got to be more. I just feel like I'm kind of stuck. I feel like we're not moving past things. Things are kind of declining, and I don't know how to make it better. And we talked about that in that stagnation season, we need to have high transparency. We have to be also one of my favorite phrases of all time. We have to be solution-sided living. We have to live on the solution side. And don't be the person in the room, negative Nancy, who walks in and points out all the problems. Be the positive Susan who walks in the room and says, hey, let's, what if we tried this? What if we did this? We bring solutions to the table. And the last one is a really important one because at this stagnating season, you can either do one of two things. You can either die, the relationship ends, the job ends, you feel miserable, you feel like every day you wake up and go to work, that life is just an absolute drag, or you can reinvent and you can think new thoughts and have really intentional motives. But this week, this week I want us to tackle how we can become the best version of ourselves as leaders. And there's another resource that I came across that absolutely changed the way I led, and I want to share that with you today. Uh, It was in, in 2016, I was leading a team of 10 super talented people, and we were, we're seeing some real progress happen. And we're, we're just like in this growing season and it was exciting and it was challenging and we were tackling things we'd never tackled before. And people were just growing in their leadership and we're just moving ahead. And it was like, man, this is, this is really, really awesome. I was starting to have the opportunity to go and like coach other people and, and do some coaching things like that. And in this growing season, I actually started writing uh, like this little ebook of what of like things that were working for us and things that we did. And, and I just thought this was a brilliant idea. Remember King Midas touching everything. I, instead of focusing on where I was at, I was trying to be bigger. And, and I, genuinely, I genuinely wanted to help people. But can I be real with you for a second? A lot of some of the things that I was doing in that season is because I still wanted some validation, right? When we're in that growing season and things are going well, we just want a little bit more validation to go, yeah, yeah, you're doing a great job. So that year, an author that I'd read for a really long time, he came out with a new book called The Ideal Team Player, and his name is Patrick Lencioni. And Patrick Lencioni is one of the most brilliant leadership authors and uh, I've ever read. And he personally thought that this book was way too simple to write. Like it just, it didn't make any sense to just put these simple things on the map. And he just thought it was going to be a waste of time, but people kept pushing him to write this book. And so he did, and it blew up and ended up being a a huge deal. And so today I wanted to share those values with you that he introduced in the book. Because while I want you to read the book and I want you to be able to learn from it, I understand that you have time constraints. So the 20 minutes that we have here to hang out, if I can share it with you, I'd love to be able to do that. Um, For those of you who read it, I know we're in church. I just want to give you fair warning. It is not a Christian book. So don't be mad at me if you read it. And, And he has a couple words in there. He's not a Christian author, but it is an incredible, incredible resource. And uh, I would, I would love for you guys to read it and, and dig in even more. But after I read this book, it just, 
it just reshaped the way that I was processing our team. And so I sat down with my team. I shared these things. I, I had them read through it. And what happened was amazing is, is that individually we started to grow in our leadership at an exponential level. We just started to lead our teams better. And we started to see things happen in our lives that just made us really, really focused. And it was really strategic and based around these three areas that he talked about. So we're going to jump into these three areas right now. But I need to know if you're ready. If you're ready, let me hear you say, I'm ready. ready. All right. Yeah, let's go. Here it is on the screen. The most valuable leader in any organization is one who is hungry, humble, and smart. Hungry, humble, and smart. And maybe for some of you in the room, you just went, wow, that was an epic letdown. Like, that's it? That's the big points? Like, seriously? That's exactly what Lencioni thought, too, when he wrote this book. He's like, this is far too simple. Like, people know this. They understand it. But the reality is there's so much power when you consistently lead with all three of these areas. And, and we're going to dive into that right now. The first one, the first value is, is hungry. A hungry leader is one who is committed to, their, to doing their job well. They go above what is expected. They rarely need someone to push them to work harder, right? You're picturing that person in your head right now, that, that hungry person that, that's in your organization, or maybe they're in your family. They're, they're hungry, and, and maybe for some of you, it's you, and that's a great, great characteristic. Maybe it's a coworker that gets the most attention because they're always, like, right there. Like, maybe you feel like that's that, that hungry leader who's, like, the teacher's pet or that person. You remember, you remember that person in class when the teacher was like, hey, I'm going to grade on a curve, and Karen goes and gets 100 on the test, and you're like, thanks, Karen. We're all we're trying to do something here. And she, but she was hungry. She wanted to ace that test, and it just blew up the curve for everybody else. Karen. Someone who is hungry would be the person who thinks about work constantly outside of office hours. They're, they're willing to take on extra work. They, they look for chances to help outside of their responsibilities. And we love hungry leaders. That is till we don't, right? Because the hungry leader is also that, that person who has a tendency to go one step too far. They're hungry. They tend to lead with drive, but oftentimes they miss the views because they're just trying to get to the point and they miss what's going on around them. There are times that a hungry leader will run past their team and then get furious at the people behind them because they're not working as hard as I am. Smile. It's okay if you're a hungry leader. Don't be mad at me yet. We're going we're gonna to talk about that. The second one is humble. A humble leader is one who shares credit emphasizes the team over self, and defines, I love this, defines success collectively rather than individually. There's an important thing that you need to see here. A humble leader is the most indispensable attribute of being a team player. None of these are more important than being humble. It's huge. It is huge. But quickly, let's see what humility is not. Humility is not being a self-centered leader, right? That's an obvious one, one that's always looking for credit, one that's always waving their own flag going, hey, look at me, look at me, look what I'm doing. That's not a humble leader. Like, we, we get that side of it. But you know what a humble leader also is not? A humble leader is also not lacking self-confidence. 
Because there's an important thing here, because this is subtle. Lencioni, he says it perfectly. He says, a person who has a disproportionately deflated sense of self-worth often hurts the team by not advocating for their own ideas or failing to address problems they see. Beating yourself up or, or going, well, I'm just going to keep it to myself. That's not humility. Holding back from what the team needs to hear is not humility. It's holding back from what the team needs. The great famous author C.S. Lewis, he said it this way, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I just think that's a perfect way. It's not, it's not going, oh, I'm not that good. Oh, I, no, you don't want to hear what I think. No, 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 no. Let, let, let Lauren say something, not me. I, that's not humility. Humility, is just, it just means that you're not always thinking about your own agenda and pushing for it. Humility means you're thinking of others. And the final area that completes the most valuable leader is smart. And you hear smart and you're like, oh, okay, well, I got to go get an education. I got to get a degree. Smart has nothing to do with intelligence, but rather has everything to do with a person's common sense about people. You ever heard the term street smart? Like, oh, she's not book smart. She's street smart. Street smart just simply means they can read a room. They see what's going on. They know how to, to talk to people. They know how to handle situations, but maybe they can't study for a test. That's the, the, the smart that we're talking about, that ability to connect with people. Smart leaders ask good questions. They actually listen, right? That's a powerful thing in our world, like to actually listen. They watch for clues to what's really going on. They take their clues from body language, from vocal tones. It's that person that, who can walk in the room and they, you're, you're just going about your business and they go, hey, are you okay? And it's like, I didn't even say anything. How do you know I'm jacked up right now? That's a smart leader that can read the room and, and feel the temperature that's happening. Harvard actually talks about this, and Harvard researchers, they categorize smart with five key areas, and it's these five. It's self-awareness. It's, this is a really challenging one. It's recognizing your emotions in real time. It's recognizing, not like afterwards going, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. It's recognizing in the moment, whoa, 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 rev the engine down. I don't need to say that. Rev it on down. Self-awareness. The other one is similar but different, self-regulating. It's the, the ability to have self-control, having the appropriate filter to understand the circle that you're communicating in. In some circles, you can say, you can just be like, woo, this is me. This is what's going on. But in some circles, a self-regulating leader can go, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to say that joke. Probably not going to go that place with this. I'm going to just regulate myself and just kind of calm down. They're motivated. They're, they're full of optimism and committed. This is a really key one, the fourth one, empathy. They're focused on others winning and becoming better. This is, this is a challenging question that as I was going through this, I just wrote this down and, and I almost scratched it out because I didn't like it myself. Who, who is the last person in your life that got better or got closer to their potential because of their relationship with you? Who's the last person in your life that you can legitimately say, I helped them get a little closer to who God created them to be? 
that's empathy. Empathy, the ability to see someone else's needs and, and help and push them and be able to be there for them. The last one is just social skills. It's influence, it's communication. It's not what you say, but what? How you say it. I tell people that all the time, especially young leaders. It's not what you say, it's your approach. It's your approach. Be careful of, of those things and, and how you approach it. And last week, last week, we looked at the writings of King Solomon, and, and we joked as we were looking at Ecclesiastes, and I called it his emotional leadership journal, and we, we saw all these things that he brought to the table. But I want to bring you to another passage of his in Proverbs, in Proverbs 12. And, and Solomon, he unpacks some of these characteristics, and he puts this spiritual lens on it that I would encourage you guys to write down these verses and uh, just go back and read it because it's just leadership gold. So Proverbs 12, 14 through 20, he says this. For there is great satisfaction in speaking the truth, and hard work brings blessings back to you. This one, I love this one. A fool is in love with his own opinion, but wisdom means being teachable. Whoo! I don't like that one. But it's good. If you shrug off an insult and refuse to take offense, you demonstrate discretion indeed. But the fool, the, the fool has a short fuse and will immediately let you know when he's offended. Truthfulness marks the righteous, but the habitual liar can never be trusted. Reckless words are like the thrust of a sword, cutting remarks meant to stab and to hurt, but the words of the wise soothe and heal. We're going to look at that in just a second. Truthful words will stand the test of time, but one day every lie will be seen for what it is. In the last one, verse 20, deception fills the heart of those who plot harm, and those who plan for peace are filled with what? They're filled with joy. There's a couple key things that I would just want to pull out super, super quickly. A hungry leader works hard. That's a value we do not need to lose in our generation. Working hard is still a really important value and something that we must do because blessings come from that. Humble leaders are teachable. They're truthful. And he said a key word in there, their plan for peace. Maybe you guys are better than I am, like, and I totally believe that. But have you ever stood in the shower and you knew you were going to have a conversation with someone and you just had that whole conversation in your head, maybe out loud because no one was in the bathroom? You ever think about that conversation? It's rarely planning for peace. It's normally planning for me to go, let me inform you of how many ways you are wrong. We don't plan for peace. We plan to make our point. We plan, and, and he says, humble leaders plan for peace. Again, you guys don't do that. I do that sometimes. I'm getting better. Arrogant leaders love to hear their own voice. Yeah. Lean on lies, half-truths to get their way, and they plot for their own gain. This is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this one twice. Maybe, I don't remember if it's in your notes. You may want to write this down. But smart leaders use their words to heal, not to hurt. Smart leaders use their words to heal. Do we use our words to heal? Like seriously, just, just evaluate the way that you communicate to your spouse, to your, your boyfriend, to your girlfriend, to that coworker at work. Smart leaders use their words to heal, not to hurt, not to cut. 
And finally, smart leaders shrug off insults, but invite correction and control their emotions. I don't like being insulted. Not a fan of it. I'm a, I, like that, that fight or flight. I don't have any flight in me. I'm all fight. So you insult me, I'm like, oh, let's go. Let's go, man. I'm ready. We shrug it off and we control our emotions. So back to the book, I remember the first time that I read it, I, I thought, well, most of the time, I have at least one of those. Sometimes, if I'm good, I have two of those. Like, that's, that's pretty good, right? Having one or two of these are really, really good, but Lencioni kind of slapped me in the face because he said, no, the truth is the power of these three areas are when they all work together. And, and he did something really cool, was he unpacked what it looked like as a character if you only had one of these and if you had two of these. The first one is this. If you're humble only, that person is typically the pawn. How many of you ever been, you're a humble person and you just let people just walk all over you? I remember this happened when Lauren first started and she was uh, in cosmetology school when she was working at this salon. We had first, just first got married and her boss just like, whew, she was rough. And me being a young husband, my fighter, I called her boss up. It's like, well, let me tell you, you're not going to talk to my wife. and blah, blah, blah. It didn't go well at all. <laughs> Did not go well at all. But at the time, she was, so, she was leading as, as being humble, but she was being walked on. And I was like, nobody's going to do that to my wife. The pawn is walked over, used. They're disheartened. They feel constantly underappreciated when you're just humble. Hungry only is known as the bulldozer. Ludacris had this really friendly song back in the 2000s that said, move, Bianca, get out the way, get out the way, right? Or, or something like that. It was, it was something similar to that. We know the bulldozer. And, and for some of us, we got to be honest, maybe you are the bulldozer. You lead that way. You just lead with hunger only. And if so, and, and, and I've totally done this, man, I've totally done this. So hear my heart. We can do better. We can lead better than just being the bulldozer, walking in the room, kicking down doors, taking names. We can be better than that. We can, we will feel so much better when we don't lead in just hunger. Smart only is the charmer. It's the charmer. You can charm an Eskimo into buying ice. But at the end of the day, their, their social skills keep them around and people like them and it's cool and, and they're, they're charming. But at, at some point, people start to notice, hold up, you don't actually do anything. Like, I like seeing you here, but when's the last time you actually did your job? Like, you can't just be the charmer. So how about two out of three? Two out of three, that's better, like we're making progress, check out what these are. If you're humble and you're hungry, you're known as the accidental mess maker, right? You generally want to help and you work really hard at it, but you don't realize how your words impact the room. You don't realize how you change the temperature when you walk in. This is, this is the, I use this example. The spouse, this is a spouse who, who helps around the house. They work hard. They do a lot of really good things, but but they always have that little comment. And that comment always comes at the absolute terrible time. 
Someone's already on the brink of tears, and it's just like, oh, well, if you would have just done that, and it's like, Bruh! right? Like, the, it's, it's that <laughs> accidental mess maker. It's hard to say anything because they're helpful, but, man, they just always miss the atmosphere in the room, and they're completely oblivious to it. The second one is humble and smart. Humble and smart. This is the lovable slacker. Everyone loves them. They're fun to get around. They're they're fun to hang out with. They make people smile. But no one trusts them to get their job done. Right? They're awesome to hang out with, but when you have something really important, you would never give it to them. They're the lovable slacker. The lovable slacker is, is awesome, except that they need constant prodding from their leaders. Come on, get the, come on, get the job done. No, I don't need a joke right now. Come on, keep, get to your job. I'm, I'm pick on dads because I'm, I'm not dumb enough to pick on moms here. But this is the dad who makes everyone laugh, right? Makes everyone laugh, and they, they know when to give that, like, 15-second neck massage when mom is doing the fifth load of, of laundry, but it's also the dad that never picks up the rag to help, right? They make everybody feel good and it's laughing, jokey, jokey, ha, ha, ha. But then they go sit down and it's like, man, would you, could you just help? Could you just help out a little bit? Could you do something? It's hard to be mad at them, but the slow dripping of unfulfilled action eventually erodes the foundation and something breaks. I, when, when I was looking at this, it, it always reminds me of that movie, The Breakup with Vince Vaughn. And Vince Vaughn is just like that talker, and he's like, the same character he plays in every movie. I, I totally get it. But he's just like super, super funny, but he never helped around the house, and that's what ends up being this massive breakup. It's a funny movie. The third one is hungry and smart. And I don't like this one because I do this sometimes. Hungry and smart is the skillful politician. They're ambitious, and they know how to work the room. They know how to read it. They know how to understand your emotions. They're, they're street smart. They get it, and they're driven. The skillful politician can make you believe that they're humble and that they have good motives, but in the end, it's really 100% all about them. They're skillful in it. They can hide it. And the reality is we have some really strong leaders in the room, and I'd venture to say there's a few of us. For those of you listening to the podcast, I'm pointing to myself There's some of us, if we're not careful, we don't lead with humility. We lead with just hunger and smarts. Because for me, the Lord has to consistently work on the humility part. And there's a really important key here. For me, it's not because I think I'm all that. It's the complete opposite. It's totally opposite for me of thinking, oh, I'm I'm all of that. Like, they should see it for me. You lack humility because you're constantly striving for someone to say, man, you're special. What would we do without you? And God has to consistently work on this with me to bring me back to humility to go, God, you're enough. You're enough for me to know who I am. Like, I don't, I don't have to be that skillful politician. I don't have to be hungry and smart. And because he's gifted me with being hungry, I'm never going to be known for being lazy. And he's gifted me with the ability to read the temperature in the room and, and, and read people and understand them. And Lauren gets mad at me. We were talking about this. We were in Denver this week. 
I have sometimes the Lord gives me the ability to know what she's feeling better than she even understands because God is giving me the ability to read people. But it's dangerous if I do that without humility because then I can use whatever is happening in this situation to sneak its way into accomplishing what I really want, not what's better for the person. Maybe none of, again, maybe y'all are all better than me, but I'm just telling you, being hungry and being smart is not enough. We have to lead with humility. Hungry, humble, smart equals the MVL, the most valuable leader. And as we close today, I want to encourage you with the words of, of Solomon in Proverbs 15. And he says it this way, Proverbs 15, verse 30 Eyes that focus on what is beautiful brings joy to the heart, and hearing a good report refreshes and strengthens the inner being. Accepting constructive criticism opens your heart to the path of life, making you right at home among the wise. But look at this. Refusing constructive criticism shows that you have no interest in improving your life, for revelation insight only comes as you accept correction and the wisdom that it brings. The source of revelation and knowledge is found as you fall down and surrender before the Lord. Don't expect to see honor until the Lord sees your sincere humility. Your sincere humility. For me in my life and I won't go through all the story, but for me it's it's this consistent going before the Lord going, hey, God, I'm not enough without you. I can't do this without you. And maybe for you, that's right where you're at. You know how to lead with hunger and you you know how to lead with humility. Or maybe you lead with hunger and you lead with smarts. Or maybe you, you feel like today you're just that humble. You're that pawn that you feel like everyone just runs you over. The way for us to move past that, as Solomon makes so clear, it's the source of revelation and knowledge is found as we fall and surrender before the Lord. And we go, God, help me. Whatever is missing, whatever it is in your life, if, if you need more hunger, you need more drive, you can come before the Lord and go, God, you know I want to do better. You know I want to get better. You know I'm sick of doing the same thing over and over again. God, put that drive in me to be better. Maybe for some of you, it's humility, and it's, it's not humility because you think you're the best thing since sliced bread. It's, it's humility because you just, you desperately want someone to go, man, you're awesome. You're awesome. I see what you're doing. You work harder than everybody else. But you know what? Even if that leader came to us, even if our spouse came to us, even if our husband came and said, baby, nobody in the world works harder than you. You're the hardest worker I've ever seen. No one could ever do what you do. You're, you are it. You know how long that would last? About 30 minutes. Or until the husband does something dumb and messes up that whole moment, which is normally about 30 minutes. It's not enough. It's not enough. There's no amount of what you're going through 
There's no amount that anyone around us can fulfill what's desperately inside of us in those missing areas. The only way we find it is humility before the Lord to go, God, I need it from you. I need it from you. So let's do that together. Let's humbly come before our God and go, God, you're mighty and you're awesome. And I want to get better and I want to grow as a leader and I want to have more influence. And and yes, part of it is that I want to go up the chain a little bit higher because it would help our family financially. And yes, I want to do this because I feel like it's inside me. None of those things are bad. But at the end of the day, our motives have to be, God, I just want to be as good as I can be for you. I want to be the best leader I can be. I used to say this, one of, one of my values personally is that I want to be a leader worth following. And that's key. I can be a leader all day long, but I want to be a leader worth following. That people who are following me in whatever capacity that looks like, they go, man, I, I trust him. I trust his motives. I trust that at the end of the day, he's going to help me be better than I was yesterday. I want to be a leader worth following. And the only way I do that to get down before the Lord and go, God, it's only you. It's only you. Help me to be more like you. As we own our season, like we talked about last week, and as we lead with humility and hunger and smarts, we'll see progress in our life like never before. We'll see the Lord open doors that we can never imagine anyone opening. When we're hungry and we're smart and we're humble, God will do the impossible through our lives. You and I were built for more. You and I were built to influence the people around us in a, in a way that you can't even wrap your heads around because that's how amazing God is. His plan for your life he can't even explain it to you right now because it would just blow your mind. If five years ago he would say, I would, if he would have told me you will be standing right here doing what you're doing right this very second, I would go, that's cute. There's no way. We can't understand what the Lord wants to do, but you know what we can do? We can humble ourselves and go, God, I'm going to grow today. I'm going to get better today. I'm going to make this decision today to take one step closer to the person you've called me to be. Let's pray. God, we, we absolutely have not done anything to deserve the plan and the purpose and the potential that you've put in us. We haven't. We haven't done anything, God, to deserve that. But I thank you that you choose us that you created us all with these natural gifts and these natural abilities, these natural smarts to read a room, these natural, this natural hunger to have that drive and to have that purpose. And God, the special, unique people you've created with that gift of just being humble. But God, we can't lead with just one of those. We can't lead with just two of those. God, we need to be able to lead with all three, and the only way we can do that is, is to daily come before you and surrender and say, God, help me today to be humble. 
Help me to recognize and draw my value from who you say I am. God, let our hunger be driven by the motives that you have put inside of us, good motives, motives to see other people grow as well as us. And God, help us to be smart. Help us to open our eyes, not so we can just grow our influence, but God, there are so many broken and hurting people around us. Open our eyes to see them, to take our eyes off of ourselves and to be able to walk into a room and be that positive, encouraging influence that can see something happening within someone and be that word of encouragement to them. God, I thank you for these two weeks where you have challenged us and our leadership challenged us to get better. And God, I, I believe that from this moment, heading into the holiday seasons, God, that you're gonna help us be the best leader we can be. That you'll grow that in us that you'll call that out of us, that you'll stir these gifts inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.